Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluff Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Chuck is out today. He is not feeling well, so you could keep him in your prayers. Uh, and this, this morning's the last Sunday before Christmas. Are you all ready for Christmas? Sort of, sort of. Who, who in here is uh, going out shopping on December 23rd kind of person? We got a couple. I am, as evidenced by my non-sweater Christmas sweater. Uh, this, like I said, this is the last thing left at Walmart when I went yesterday afternoon. And so, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, this is our last sermon in our Advent series. And as we come to a close on it, and as we inch closer and closer to the very day we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus, I want to ask you one simple question. What do you see when you look at him? What is your response to God with us, to Emmanuel? Because here's the truth about, about us as people. Two people can look at the very same thing and see two very different things. For instance, my wife and I watched a movie a few years ago, and this is a movie I love. It's a movie that's probably in my like top 20 movies all time. It's a movie that lots of people loved. It's a movie that was like nominated for Best Picture for the Oscar. And so I show this movie to my wife, and I say, Jordan, isn't this an awesome movie? And she goes, meh. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what the big deal is about it. And the main point of that is don't trust Jordan's taste in movies because she's wrong. No. The point is, is that two people can be looking at the same thing and see two very different things. John, uh, Pastor John Piper says it this way. He says this, when you are confronted with infinite, all-satisfying beauty, the question is, question is not, so what is your decision? The question is, what do you see? Do you see Christ in the gospel as beautiful, more beautiful, more glorious, more satisfying than anything else? That is the question. That is the root question. When you are presented with infinite beauty, the question is not, so what is your decision? Picture yourself in an art class and the teacher holds up a beautiful painting and your teacher says to you, so make up your mind, decide, is it beautiful or is it boring? Your proper response to the teacher is like, it doesn't work like that. That's not what you do when you see something. You don't decide, you either see it as boring or you see it as beautiful. And so this morning as we gaze upon the birth of Jesus, as we see in our story Jesus actually born into the world, when we finally get to gaze upon the face of God himself become man, my question is what do you see? What do you see when you look at him? And, and as we open up our passage this morning, my aim is to do what the angels did for the shepherds 2,000 years ago. And that is simply proclaim the truth about who Jesus is and what he came to do. To simply present Jesus to you. Just say, hey, look, here he is. And then ask the question, what do you see? 
And my prayer is that as we do that, that you would see him as satisfying and as beautiful as something that inspires hope in you. My prayer this morning as we see Jesus, that we would see him as beautiful and it would cause us to worship him and praise him. My prayer is that you would see him as the shepherds saw him all those years ago. So we're going to open up to our passage in Luke 2. And we're going to start in verse 8. It says this, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So our story starts with these shepherds, and in the verses before this, we're told of Jesus' actual birth in Bethlehem, and we start off by knowing that the shepherds are nearby. They're nearby to where Jesus was actually being born. And after Jesus was born, these angels appear to him. And, and what I want to point out in this first part is that when Jesus is born, I would think that it would be revealed to great kings and prophets and priests and powerful people, people who can actually tell other people about what's going on. You would think that when the God of the universe came, became man and was born into this world, it would come to people who are a little more astute than the shepherds. But when Messiah came, when the announcement that Messiah was born, Luke specifically lets us know that that announcement first goes to these shepherds. Just ordinary shepherds. Blue-collar workers out in the fields, smelling like sheep. God first came to those people. I mean, this is so like our God. God reveals himself to average, ordinary people. Our God is pleased to do so. God is, our God is a God who loves average, ordinary people. Although our God is the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the eternal Lord over everything, even still he bends his knee to speak to average, ordinary people. He didn't go to the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin. He didn't go to the governors of Rome. He came to shepherds. That is who our God is. A God who knows you. A God who cares for you. A God who's watched you grow and learn and struggle. A God who sees you. A God who has not forgotten you. Although you may feel insignificant, although you may feel small, although you may feel left out, our God is the kind of God who draws near to people like you and to people like me, to people like us. That's what we celebrate in Christmas, right? This God becoming man, this Emmanuel God with us. One of my favorite passages in uh, the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson had a paraphrase of the Bible in John chapter 1. He says, Jesus actually moved into our neighborhood, <laughs> which is an interesting picture of what happened when God became man, is that Jesus drew near to us. It's one of the beautiful truths about Christmas, that God himself draws near to us. Let's keep going in verse 10. 
The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the news that was delivered to the shepherds. That there is a Savior, a Messiah who was promised generations ago. This promised Savior who would set everything right, who would overcome sin. This Messiah has been born. In City Light, I've come this morning to proclaim that same good news. That Jesus Christ, that baby born in Bethlehem, has come to pardon sin. To reconcile humanity back to God. He has come to mend broken relationships and heal broken hearts. Jesus came that evil would once and for all be defanged and Satan would be disarmed. That little baby that grew up was God. Who came to earth the way any person ever did. But he lived a life no person ever has. He lived a perfect life, a life free from sin, a life free from any sort of guilt or condemnation, a life totally committed to loving his father and loving the people around him. He was devoid of any selfishness, greed, or unrighteousness. And although Jesus was perfect, he was condemned to death. Jesus died on the cross, taking on himself the punishment for sin, which is death. The perfect Son of God willingly submitting Himself to the sin of the world, dying a shameful death on the cross so that our sin could be forgiven and we could become children of God. What do you see when you look at it, church? Does that inspire hope in you? Is that beautiful to you? This is the baby that has come to us on Christmas. This is the good news that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds. This is the good news of the gospel that we hope to proclaim every week that God himself is making all things new through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So what do you see when you look at him? And I'm asking that question for you to really truly look inside and ask, do I see this as good news? Or does it sound like foolishness to me? Or does it sound like some story from thousands of years ago that couldn't possibly be true? Or is it your only hope to be reconciled to the Father? Your only hope to live free from the shame that you live with every day? Your only hope to be freed from the bondage that you're in? What do you see when you look at church? And regardless of your answer to that question, I can tell you one thing from the passage. The proclamation of this message actually made all of heaven rejoice. Verse 13. Suddenly there was an angel, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So suddenly we go from a singular angel to a multitude of heavenly hosts, all praising God. The proclamation of this truth actually moved all of heaven to bring praise to God. You know why? Because the truth that was proclaimed was beautiful to them. It's a natural response. The truth that was proclaimed was hope for them. The gospel that this first angel proclaimed was praiseworthy. When they saw this incredible truth that God was with humanity, it caused them to worship. 
Because here's the other truth I want you to see this morning. What you see changes how you see. What you see changes how you see. The movie I talked about earlier that me and my wife watched and disagreed on, it's a movie called Arrival. Uh, And it's a movie based on like an alien invasion. It's a movie based on this premise, though, that what you see changes how you see. And I'll give you a quick rundown of the plot. So I'll try to do no spoilers because it's a cool movie. Go watch it. Um, I think... I don't think there's anything bad in it. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, but so an alien spacecraft lands on Earth, no warning, no communication, and the government brings in these experts to try to figure out why are these aliens here? What are their intentions for this visit? And so this movie centers around a linguist, a person who's a, an expert in language. And every day they go into the alien spacecraft to try to understand the alien language so that they can communicate with them. And they, they learn that the aliens actually don't communicate through sound, they communicate through like hieroglyphics, through pictures. And I don't want to spoil the ending because it's a cool movie, but the movie basically shows us that as the linguist learns their language, as she begins to understand, as she begins to see the true meaning of the language, it helps her to not only understand the aliens, but it begins to change the way she thinks about everything. And again, I'm not going to spoil exactly all that means, but the point is what you see changes how you see. And, and if, if the movie doesn't prove the point, how me and my wife viewed the movie proves the point. Where it's like, I watch this movie and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm dissecting, I'm talking about all these little intricate plot points and like, oh, I wonder if that's really true. Is this how it, how it would work? Uh, and then my wife just goes, meh. <laughs> because what you see changes you. It changes you. If you see something as beautiful and interesting Versus when you see something as boring or non-important. It's the reason why if you like go to a museum, some people can stand in front of a painting and weep. And why others pass it by and don't care. Because when you see something as beautiful, it changes you. What you see changes how you see. What we see impacts how we respond. It actually changes us. So these angels, upon hearing this announcement of this gospel, upon hearing upon what happened the day on the birth of Jesus, they worship God because, I think it's because they've seen him. Like they've seen God clearly. They've seen him face to face, up close and personal. They've watched how God cares for his people. And I think they've seen his heart break over their sin. They've seen the ugliness of how humanity treats each other and the ugliness of our rebellion against God. And although they've seen, and all through it, they've seen God's heart to redeem mankind. To set them back to rights. To bring them back into relationship. And because they've seen the goodness and love and might of God, they rejoice at the birth of Jesus. And 1 Peter 1.12 actually says that the angels like longed for this day. They craned their necks up in heaven to see it. The angels love this gospel, this truth that Jesus is coming and redeeming and restoring mankind. 
And we also know from like Luke 15 that heaven rejoices when even one sinner repents. So we have this picture of these angels who've spent eternity with God worshiping him and praising him. And they've seen all humanity's mess ups. And then when they see God's heart to save humanity, they worship him because of how good and awesome he is. When the angels see all this, the only response to them is worship because they see it as beautiful. So when you look at this baby born in Bethlehem, what do you see? And how will you respond to God with us? Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So these dudes make a wise decision. They say, well, these angels showed up and told us all this stuff. I guess we should probably go see what they're talking about. (laughs) There's really only two rational responses to angels showing up to you and talking about the coming of God. One, that's to go check out and look for what they're talking about. And the second is to ask, where the heck did you get those mushrooms we ate for dinner? Because this is crazy. Angels just showed up in the middle of a field pronouncing the coming of God. And so the shepherds, they go into town to investigate to see if they can find this baby Messiah. And verse 16 says, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Just as was promised, they went to Bethlehem and saw a baby lying in the manger. What they heard was true. Everything that was told them, they they saw it. And as a response, they praised God. Verse 20. As the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. The shepherds heard the message of the gospel, saw the face of the Messiah himself, and it changed them. It caused them to worship. They left glorifying and praising God. And my prayer this morning is that you would see what the shepherds saw that Christmas morning. And as you see it, it would actually change you fundamentally. My prayer is that you would see what the shepherds saw so that you would leave this building the way the shepherds left the birthplace of Jesus, worshiping, glorifying, praising God, committing your life to following Him. And here's here's what I think the shepherds saw clearly that night, thousands of years ago. I I think the shepherds were well aware of the brokenness of their own world. Being Jewish shepherds under the thumb of Roman rule, they were well acquainted with the oppressiveness of the empire under which they lived. The unfair taxes, the bowing to the emperor that had to take place. And I bet they longed for the promised land that they would read about in the scriptures where they could live and be free. I think the shepherds were well aware of their own status. They, might, they weren't despised like the tax collectors, the prostitutes, but they sure weren't the elite, you know? They weren't religiously important. They weren't politically powerful. They weren't even well-respected. They were blue-collar. They were the all-but-forgotten kind of people. Like, they exist, but we don't talk about it. They would never be in a place of honor or in the presence of kings. 
And I think the the shepherds, I bet they understood the weight of sin. Some have guessed that maybe these Jewish shepherds who were shepherding sheep just a few miles from the temple might have been raising up sheep that would one be sacrificed in the temple for sin. And we don't really know if that's true or not. But what we do know is that when they saw these sacrifices take place, they had to know the cost of that sacrifice. I mean, they spend every single day watching over their sheep, watching these sheep grow from little to grown. Man, they know how hard it is to keep them safe and to keep them fed and to keep them healthy to the point to where they even could get to the sacrifice. And whenever a lamb was killed in the temple for the sin of the people, they had to know what that sacrifice cost. And I think the shepherds, they were longing for more. For their whole lives, their parents, their grandparents, their teachers and rabbis, they would gather together at the temple on Saturdays and hear the scriptures read and discussed. And through it all, they heard about a Messiah. They heard about this Savior who would come and free them from their oppression. They heard that one day God would send a Messiah to rule over Israel as king and to establish the promised land of old. And they waited with great anticipation for this Savior who would come and set everything right. So when the heavenly host showed up and said, that day is today. (laughs) Today, the Savior of the world is born. That Messiah you waited for, that salvation you longed for, that freedom you hoped for, all of it is at hand. Messiah is here and he has come to bring the kingdom of God. When the Messiah, when the shepherds saw that Messiah on Christmas morning, they saw it as beautiful. They were mesmerized. All they hoped for was here. All they longed for was at hand. God was coming to make all things new. So my question is, what do you see? Just like the shepherds, it's not hard to see the brokenness of our world. Just look out your front door, walk down West Broadway. Listen to the stories of people in jail. Listen to the harrowing journeys of a child growing up in foster care. Watch the news. Truly stop and consider a war documentary. Not the heroism or the Hollywoodification, but the brutal reality of fathers, sons, brothers, husbands, friends, tearing each other limb from limb, and how this is happening every day all over the world since mankind has been here. It's not hard to see the brokenness of our world. And just like the shepherds, I don't think it's hard to see the cost of our own sin. Man, we know the relational tension we're about to jump into when we go to Christmas dinner with those family members who've been fighting. Because of that thing I said all those years ago that really cut to the heart. Man, we know the cost of sin. We know the anxiety that comes when we look at our bank account and we realize, I have no control over my own spending. I can't stop buying stuff I don't need and does not satisfy me. We know the fear that comes when we visit the doctor, knowing we're only going to receive bad news. We know the shame we feel because of what we've done in secret. We understand fully that nagging voice in the back of our heads that reminds us of how many times we've failed. We're well acquainted with the cost of sin. 
And like the shepherds, we're probably well aware of our status. Like the shepherds, there's nobody in this room who's politically powerful or (laughs) well-connected. We're not the religious elite, religious elite. Even your pastors, man, if I wrote a book, nobody's buying it. Nobody's sending Chuck and I invites to national church planting conferences. None of us are truly powerful or abundantly wealthy or an influencer in our culture. We are just normal, average, everyday people. But there's good news, City Light. For unto you is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. Hear the good news, church, that the King has come. And he too experienced the brokenness of this world firsthand. He experienced hatred and persecution. He experienced friends betraying him and leaving him. He experienced loss and grief. But he not simply come to experience this broken world. He came to bring healing to it. So, so he, that's what he did. He healed and he fed hungry and he welcomed outcasts. He brought in outsiders and mended broken people, both physically, emotion, and spiritual. And he, he didn't just come for the wealthy or the well-connected or the elite or the powerful. He came to the poor and to the needy and to the sinners. Any who would humble themselves would come. He would call children of God, sons and daughters of the very king of the universe. Amen. Jesus was well acquainted with the cost of our sin. For although Jesus lived a perfect life, he died a shameful sinner's death, beaten, tortured, mocked, stripped naked, and raised up on a Roman cross. And he endured the shame so that we could be forgiven. He was counted as guilty so that we could be seen as blameless. He endured the scorn so that our Father would speak lovingly over us. He died that we might live. He died that we might once again be reunited in relationship with God so that we could finally be at home in him. Church, I don't know what you see when you look at him. But I pray that as you look into the manger, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, and you see the humility of this God who became a man, also that we could be reunited with him once again. I pray that you would see him as everything you've ever longed for. Hope possessed. Life eternal. Beauty. And that's where I should end and move to communion. But I want to read to you a quote. As I'm picturing myself this week, like in the shepherd's shoes, going to the manger, looking at baby Jesus and asking myself, what is it I see? When I look at him surrounded by dirty shepherds and animals and not much fanfare, I see this. It's a quote from a theologian named Frederick Buchner. He says this, Once you've seen Jesus in the stable, you can never be sure of what lengths he will go to what ludicrous depths of self-humiliation he will go in his pursuit of you. And of course we know that God becoming man, being born in an animal trough, was not the end of his pursuit of us. It was not the end of his own self-humiliation. 
We know because we celebrate it every week in communion. When we break the bread, we remember his body that was broken. And as we drink the juice, we remember his blood shed. There is no lengths to which he will not go in his pursuit of you. No matter how far you've run, no matter what you've done, our God is a God who humbles himself and comes to you, comes to me, comes to us this morning and offers us life and life abundantly. Freedom from the bondage of sin. Life without condemnation or guilt. Therefore, is there, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We get to be children of the king of the universe. Doesn't matter what your parents were like. Doesn't matter how you grew up. There's no lengths to which our God will not go in his pursuit of us. Even becoming man and dying for us. That's what our God is like. And as we take communion this morning, we see Him most clearly on the cross. And my simple question is, what do you see? Do you see it as beautiful? Not pretty. Not real pretty. But beautiful. And if you do, I invite you to come take communion. If you're in this room and you're saying, man, I I don't... I want to believe this. Like this sounds like something I need. I need something to wash me clean. I need something to give me a new start. Like I know I'm not what I should be. And is this God truly willing to accept me and bring me into his family? The Bible is very clear. It's an abundant yes. Christmas shows us how Jesus is pursuing you. And this morning you can be made whole. You can be made a new creation. All you have to do is repent from your sin. Say, man, I don't want that anymore. And what I want is Jesus. All you have to do is let what you see change how you see. And so as we take communion this morning, if you say, man, I am a Christian and I love this and this is getting me pumped up and excited, then come take communion. If you're saying, man, I want this, then come take communion. There'll be people in the back who will pray with you. Or you can come talk to me. We'll pray with you. Or if you're in this room and you're saying, I mean, good for you guys, but that's kind of silly. Man, I invite you to go ahead and sit in your chair and ponder, what is it that you see when you look at King Jesus? What is it that you see when you look around you? And where are you finding hope this Christmas season? City Light. We serve an awesome God who has come to dwell among us. And my prayer is that we would be a church who sees him as beautiful. And we would be a church that lives our life glorifying and praising our God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are truly incredible. Like words don't describe it. We grow up and we hear these stories about Christmas of like a baby being born in a manger and there's animals around. But when we truly stop to think that the God who spoke the universe into existence became a man. And actually, he didn't just show up. He became a baby. He humbled himself to the point of being born as a baby in a food trough. 
And then not only that, but he grew up and he lived as this poor teacher who spent his whole life loving people and healing people and bringing people to life. And then once again, as he gets to the end of his life, he is humiliated, nailed to a cross, stripped naked, mocked, beaten, scorned, put to death because of sin. God, that's, that's incredible. God, I don't, I don't blame anybody who says that's foolish because that's crazy. <laughs> How could a God be like this? It doesn't make any sense. But it's true. Lord Jesus, I just pray this morning as we see you, as we see the lengths to which you've gone to pursue us, that would cause us to glorify you, that it would change everything about us, that it wouldn't just mean that we sing this song extra loud, but it means that we would leave this place and in every area of our lives, we would praise and glorify you for all you've done. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.